Who is represented by the Egla Rufa, by Rav Amnon Bazak? Chapter 21 in Sefer Dvarim opens with the following section. If a slain man is found in the land which the Lord your God gives to you to possess it, lying in the field, his slayer unknown, then your elders and your judges shall go out and measure to the cities which are around the slain man. And it shall be that the city which is closest to the slain man, the elders of that city shall take a heifer which has not been put to work, not having drawn a yoke. And the elders of that city shall bring the heifer down to a rough ravine, which has been neither plowed nor sown, and they shall break the heifer's neck there in the ravine. And the Kohanim, the sons of Levi, shall come near, for it is them whom the Lord your God has chosen to serve him and to bless in God's name. And it is by their word that every disagreement and every plague shall be decided. And all the elders of that city, who are closest to the slain man, shall wash their hands over the heifer whose neck was broken in the ravine, and they shall answer and say, Our hands have not shed this blood, nor did our eyes see it. Forgive your nation, Israel, whom you redeemed, Lord, and do not lay innocent blood amongst your people, Israel. And the blood shall be forgiven them. So you shall put away the innocent blood from among you when you do that which is right in the eyes of God. This relatively brief unit, which concludes this week's parasha, raises several questions. We shall focus here on the symbolism of the Agla Rufa and whom it is meant to represent. In the process, we shall also address other questions, including why it is significant that the heifer has never borne a yoke, why its neck is broken specifically in a rough ravine, and what the role of the Kohanim is in this regard. Who, then, is symbolized by the Agla Rufa? One possible answer is that the heifer represents the absent murderer, and that its blood is spilled as a substitute for the blood of the murderer. This possibility is based on the recurring biblical principle that blood that is unlawfully spilled requires atonement. It does not allow matters to continue as though nothing had happened. After the very first murder in history, we read, The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Similarly, we find in Yechezkel's prophecy, For the city's blood is in the midst of her. She set it upon the bare rock, not pouring it upon the ground to cover it with dust, in order to arouse fury and to exact revenge, for I have set her blood upon the bare rock that had not be covered. The blood of the murder victim cries out to the heavens and demands atonement. What is the repair for this blood? We are told explicitly at the end of Sefer Bamidbar, And you shall not pollute the land in which you are, for the blood pollutes the land, and the land cannot be cleansed of the blood that has been shed in it except by the blood of him who shed it. The land is cleansed only by the blood of the murderer. Eretz Yisrael in particular cannot tolerate the shedding of blood, and it is unthinkable that a person might be murdered while the murderer escapes punishment. Metaphorically, the blood of the victim defiles and soils the land, and the only effective cleansing agent is the blood of the murderer. What is to be done when a corpse is found in the environs of a city and the identity of the killer is unknown? How can the land be cleansed and quieted? One might propose that the Egla Rufa represents the murderer, and through the breaking of its neck, the blood needed to atone for the blood of the victim is symbolically obtained. By breaking the heifer's neck, the elders of the city declare that they have no part in the murder, and they carry out a symbolic ceremony in which they punish the nameless murderer and procure the necessary blood. Admittedly, while Sefer Bamidbar talks about atonement, or cleansing for the land, our parasha talks about cleansing for the people. Forgive your nation, Israel, whom you redeemed, Lord, and do not lay innocent blood amongst your people, Israel, and the blood shall be forgiven them. Nevertheless, we may suggest that just as the land needs atonement, so does the nation. 
since the innocent blood of the victim not only defiles the land, but also leaves an ugly stain on Am Yisrael. Indeed, elsewhere in our parasha, in the law of the cities of refuge, the Torah binds together the stain on the land and the stain on the nation. The Torah emphasizes that someone who has killed a person accidentally must be treated with leniency in order to avoid the spilling of innocent blood, which damages both the nation and the land. We read, So that innocent blood will not be spilled in the midst of your land which the Lord your God gives you for an inheritance, and so blood be upon you. Thus, we may draw a parallel between the cleansing of the people and the cleansing of the land, and conclude that the former too depends on the symbolic shedding of the blood of the murderer. Only thus can the innocent blood that was shed be removed from the people, as we read at the end of our parasha, So you shall put away the innocent blood from among you, when you do that which is right in the eyes of God. Indeed, this direction of interpretation sits well with some other textual units and with some fundamental ideas arising from them. Nevertheless, it also entails a clear difficulty. The word blood is mentioned in this brief parasha four times, and in each instance it is the blood of the victim that is referred to, and not the blood of the murderer. And they shall answer and say, Our hands have not shed this blood, nor did our eyes see it. Forgive your nation Israel whom you redeemed, Lord, and do not lay innocent blood amongst your people Israel, and the blood shall be forgiven them. So you shall put away the innocent blood from among you. It would seem, therefore, that we must seek our answer elsewhere. In explaining the essence of the Agla Rufa, Rashi cites Chazal's teaching. The Holy One, blessed be He, said, Let a heifer of the first year which has not produced young come and have its neck broken in a place which has similarly not produced fruit to atone for the killing of this person, who was not left alive to produce offspring. According to this explanation, the Eglau Rufa symbolizes the victim, and this heifer, which has not been put to work, not having drawn a yoke, and the place where its neck is broken, a rough ravine, Nachal Eitan, which has been neither plowed nor sown, Asher lo yavedbo velo are meant to represent potential which was not realized. If we adopt this view, we might say that the breaking of the heifer's neck expresses the responsibility of the nearest city for the act of murder. It is reasonable to assume that the murderer emerged from the city that is closest to the slain man. For this reason, the representatives of that city perform a sort of reenactment of the murder. The elders bring the heifer down to the river, and there its neck is broken. This act symbolizes the act that was performed by the murderer, who most likely came from their city, and this concludes the first stage of the process. Now, with the emphasis on the need for atonement, all the elders of the city come and declare, Our hands have not spilled this blood, nor did our eyes see. This blood refers to the blood of the Agla Rufa, which represents the blood of the victim, who was apparently killed by someone from the city, but without the knowledge of the city authorities. Washing the hands of this blood expresses the clean hands, the non-involvement and innocence of the city authorities with respect to the act of murder and any contact with the murderer. Indeed, Innocent blood hovers over the inhabitants of the city, but the sight of the ceremony and the prayer of all the elders of the city, Forgive your nation Israel whom you redeemed, Lord, and do not lay innocent blood amongst your people Israel. The blood that was spilled will find atonement. We therefore conclude that the ceremony of breaking the heifer's neck expresses two different aspects of this parasha. On the one hand, the nearest city to the corpse is indeed held guilty, since the murderer most likely emerged from there. On the other hand, Judges have nothing but the evidence before them, and therefore they cannot be responsible for an act which our eyes did not see. Likewise, they cannot be punished for the sin of an unknown murderer who carried out his act in secret, far from any possible witness. The ceremony therefore expresses both the responsibility of the city authorities and their rights to atonement. Upon their return to the city, 
the inhabitants can feel relief that some process of atonement for the murder has been performed, on the one hand, while on the other hand, that very process sharpens the sense of general responsibility that the murder imposes on them.